Welcome in to College Sports Today, episode 33, coming to you on WLRZ 99.3 FM, as well as on LRN News. You can find this show on Spotify, RSS.com, and TheRhinian.com, the official student publication of Lenore Ryan University. I am your host, Hamilton Neal, glad to be joining you again this week as we have yet another busy and jam-packed show to get to. We'll kick things off with a look around the 828 as we have news from both Catawba Valley Community College and Lenoran University. We'll talk Redhawks cross country and bass fishing, as well as the LR Sports Hall of Fame class for 2022. We'll break and then head into our second segment where we'll take a look into the national spotlight. Our topics there will include the Big 12 Conference's expansion to 14 teams, as well as multiple new roster additions for the Duke Blue Devils men's basketball squad. We'll have all of that coming up a little bit later, but first, let's take you around the 828 with news from CVCC and Lenore Ryan. Again, first tonight, we are talking Catawba Valley Community College as the Redhawks have announced their first four signees to the new cross-country program. Among the signees are the program's first-ever runner, Bandy's Allison Beard, along with local products in Ford's Ryan Eblen and Nick Shell and East Burke's Jonathan Garcia. Red Hawk Cross Country head coach Sean Fountain said, quote, I'm excited for our local students to have the opportunity to compete for a collegiate championship. I'm grateful they chose CVCC as their first step towards lifelong success, end quote. Beard was a member of the Trojans 4x800 track and field team, which was a fifth place state finish this year. She can run the 1600 meter in six minutes, 40 seconds. An all-conference runner at East Burke, Garcia was also the most valuable offensive player on the East Burke soccer team. His PR for the 5K is 19 minutes, 39 seconds. Eblen's best 1,600-meter runtime is 5.15, while Shell's high mark in the mile is 5.43. The Red Hawk cross-country team will be competing starting this fall in Region 10 Division Three competition. The CVCC bass fishing program has reached back into the water to add to its 2022-23 roster, signing McDowell High School product Cole Weaver. Weaver comes to CVCC with a strong fishing resume on the high school level. He finished second in points in the Bass Western North Carolina High School and Junior Series last year and placed fourth in the same point standings this year. He also finished in third place in the state championship this season and traveled to Tennessee to compete in the Bassmaster High School National Championship last July. Weaver recently placed 10th at the North Carolina Bass National High School Tournament on Lake Norman, and he said, quote, I am thankful for the opportunity that CVCC is going to be giving me and the chance to learn and grow as an angler, end quote. Weaver joined the CVCC Bass Fishing Program that finished 15th nationally in the Bass Pro Shop School of the Year standings. That's the highest ranking in program history. Lenoran University will add seven members to its Sports Hall of Fame as the class of 2022 has been announced. Sarah Atkins, William Combs, Kate Grewish, Catherine Hawk, Chandler Reardon, Jerry Shaw, and Jamil Surratt make up the 2022 class, with Shaw earning the first ever nod in the newly created contributor category. The Hall of Fame ceremony will be part of Lenoran's homecoming weekend and will take place in the P.E. Monroe Auditorium on LR's campus at 11 a.m. on Saturday, October 22, 2022. 
The seven will also be honored at halftime of Lenoran football's game against Newberry, which begins at 2 p.m. at Moret Stadium. Again, we want to give a very big congratulations to all seven of these individuals being inducted into the LR Sports Hall of Fame here for the class of 2022. All of them so versatile throughout many different sports, contributed so much to their programs and to the school in general as well. And all of them very, very deserving. Some of them played here not too long ago, about a decade ago or so. Someone like Sarah Atkins, who played from 09 to 2012 with the softball team, four straight NCAA tournaments, three straight South Atlantic Conference regular season titles. In 2010, they had a record of 53-9. and That's still the best record in program history for a season. Back-to-back Super Regional appearances in 10 and 11. And she is still the all-time leader in NCAA tournament games played and most RBIs in NCAA tournament games at 15. And those are just some of the records that she has and just some of the accolades that she was able to reel in during her career. And again, played for the softball team at a time where they were just so stacked, where they had an incredible year every single season. And when you look at what she did right away, in 2009, being South Atlantic Conference Freshman of the Year, and then South Atlantic Conference Tournament MVP in 2010, and just continuing to break records and lead that team. Very deserving for her to get in now, like it is for all of these athletes. Uh, William Combs played for the baseball team from 98 to 01, and during that time, when he was there, LR Baseball had the most successful two-year period in program history. The Bears won the South Atlantic Conference Tournament in 2000, and then again in 2001, and then went to the NCAA Tournament in 2001. And before this past season, that was the last time that LR had been to the national playoffs. That's the last time they were in the NCAA Tournament. So that squad this year was able to break that long, long NCAA Tournament drought. But the last time they were there was 2001, when William Combs was a part of the squad. And I think he made his mark the most on the defensive end because he still owns the program record for a career fielding percentage, most chances, and most putouts as well. And again, those are just some of the stats throughout his career that he was able to put up. Third in program history in career RBIs at 394, 28 career home runs, that's fifth all time, third in career total bases, the list goes on and on for him. And in 2001, That year, they went to the NCAA tournament and won the South Atlantic Conference. He was named Male Athlete of the Year here at LR. So that was quite a banner year for not only the team, but for him as an individual. You look at Jamil Surratt, what he was able to do on the football field from 1999 to 2002, finished his career fourth all-time in rushing yards, finished with 3,383 yards, 34 rushing TDs. That's good for seventh all-time in LR football history. Had 752 carries in his career, which places him third in history and has a 3,839 all-purpose yards. That's seventh in LR football history. And no question about it, his finest moment came on September 8th, 2001. He ran the ball in that game against West Virginia Wesleyan 32 times for 202 yards. Now, that's one of just 16 200-yard rushing games in the NCAA era, 1993 to present. And Surratt's 11 100-yard rushing games in his career ranked second in the NCAA era, and he was named Lutheran College second-team All-American in 2000. So again, just an incredible career across the board there. And the last guy I want to touch on is Jerry Shaw, who back in 1967 broke the color barrier at Lenore Ryan and became the first African-American to earn a scholarship and play for the Bears as a member of the football team. 
His renaissance did not stop there as he would go on to become the first ever African-American coach as he was part of Jack Huss's 1978 coaching staff. LR would go on to name Shaw Plaza and Shaw Center in his honor, and the university gives out a Jerry Shaw Excellence in Programming Award every year to the person of the LR community who has exemplified compassion and excellence in student programming. He went on to work at Lenorine as a residence director and director of student activities. Shaw was a member of back-to-back conference championships in 1967 and in 1968. One of the most important figures in Lenorine history. First African-American to earn a scholarship to play on the football team. First African-American to be a part of an LR coaching staff. Just incredible stuff. Again, one of those guys that was able to persevere, was able to push forward, no matter the obstacles. And we've seen that throughout LR Athletics history. So many incredible student-athletes overcoming so many obstacles to get to where they are. So... For all of the people in this 2022 Sports Hall of Fame class, congratulations. All of them are so, so deserving of it, especially at this time. And again, as we mentioned at the top of this segment, they will be honored on October the 22nd. The ceremony, the Hall of Fame ceremony will take place at P.E. Monroe Auditorium. That'll be at 11 a.m. And then they'll be honored at halftime of the LR football game against Newberry at Moret Stadium. The start time for that game is at 2 p.m. So when that game comes around, should be a big matchup. Everybody should be out at that one, uh, helping recognize these seven individuals part of the LR Sports Hall of Fame 2022 class. Now, in addition to that, we talked about some CVCC stuff as well. The Bass Fishing Program, bringing in another person to their program. That is Cole Weaver from McDowell High School. And you look at what he was able to do at the high school level. We talked about some of his accolades there. Definitely going to be a great addition to that program. And then they have a cross-country team starting up now, which is also very exciting. And that's the thing about Catawba Valley is they're continuing to grow their athletics over the years. They're continuing to add more and provide more opportunities to prospective student-athletes. And it's going to be very interesting to see what exactly happens with this program in year one. Because whenever you're launching a program, your first recruiting class may not be that large and your results early on are probably not going to be what you want them to, but you grow and you build and you develop from there. So we are very excited here to see all that happens with the new CVCC cross country program. I know that Sean Fountain, head coach of the team is very excited. All these athletes are very excited as well to get things going in the fall. So that's all that we have around the 828 right now when it comes to CVCC and Lenore Ryan. And we're now going to take a quick break here on the show. And when we come back, we're going to take you into the national spotlight. We'll talk news with NCAA conference realignment and men's college basketball. That's on the other side of this break. You're listening to College Sports Today on WLRZ 99.3 FM and LRN News. We'll be right back. back in to college sports today now heading into our second frame of the show where we will take our attention from local college sports 
to national college sports. And our topics in this segment include the latest round of NCAA conference realignment as it pertains to the Big 12, as well as news out of men's college basketball. Again, let's first talk about conference realignment in the NCAA and talk about it as it pertains to the Big 12 Conference. They've announced that four new schools are joining the fold, three from the American Athletic Conference and one that is an independent. According to reports, Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Houston are all leaving the AAC and will begin play in the Big 12 starting in 2023, and that is after the schools came to an agreement on exit fees with the American Athletic Conference. The amount of money the three AAC schools paid to join the Power Five That has not yet been announced as of this time. American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Arisco released a statement on Friday morning to formalize the move. He said, quote, All three institutions enjoyed tremendous success under the American Athletic Conference banner, and all three were instrumental in taking the conference to great heights, both athletically and academically. We wish them the best and look forward to having them compete in our conference in 2022-2023, end quote. The three programs will officially make the conference back to 12 teams for the first time since 2010 when Nebraska departed for the Big Ten. Texas A&M, Missouri, and Colorado would leave a season later for the SEC and Pac-12 respectively, and in response to that, the Big 12 added West Virginia and TCU as immediate replacements in 2012. Along with the three AAC programs, BYU is set to join the conference in 2023 as well. Currently an independent, BYU agreed to join the conference earlier this year for the 2023-2024 year. And again, this is just part of the impact of the next wave of conference realignment in the NCAA. Back in 2013, we saw a major wave of major change when it came to conference realignment in Division I. We saw the Big East Conference All of that blow up, Louisville, Syracuse, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, among many other schools, left the Big East. Many of those went to the ACC. We saw Maryland join the Big Ten. We saw a lot of shuffling when it came to what at the time was a brand new conference in the American. And the American often tried to brand themselves as the Power Six or the sixth conference behind the other Power Five schools. But now with Cincinnati with UCF, with Houston all leaving, they really can't say that. All of those schools, again, along with BYU, go into the Big 12. And all of those programs, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, all brought different things to the American. Cincinnati obviously went to the college football playoff this past year. They've had a tremendous program rolling along there with Luke Fickle. The UCF football team as well has been very, very strong for many, many years. And when you look at what the Houston men's basketball team is doing, Final Four appearance in 2021, made another deep run this past year and are going to have an incredible basketball team coming up this year, by the way. Uh, the, the American's going to lose all of that. And all of those schools are going to the Big 12. But it's something that everyone that was kind of behind the scenes looking at this kind of expected for a while, that you know the American would not be able to sustain this. They would not be able to keep their bigger, smaller schools, if that makes sense. So with that... That'll bring the conference back to 12 teams. But that'll only be for a very short window of time because Texas and Oklahoma are set to leave the Big 12 for the SEC no later than 2025. 
So again, this will start in 2023. And for a very short time, it will be a 14-team super conference. But then when Texas and Oklahoma leave, it's going to go back down to 12. And again, this is a conference that right around a year, maybe a year and a half ago or so, everyone was talking about, like, can they even survive? Because, you know, Kansas was entertaining a move to the Big Ten. Obviously, that didn't come through, but a lot of schools were looking at going to different conferences. And again, this is a Big 12 conference that has had to accept change and go through it many times before. Again, as we mentioned, in 2010, Nebraska left. Then more dominoes fell. Texas A&M, Missouri, Colorado, all left as well. Again, A&M and Missouri went to the SEC. Colorado ended up going to the Pac-12. And I think really that's a better fit for them at this point. I think it's worked out great there. And then they added West Virginia. They added TCU, who were coming out of the Big East and obviously out of the Mountain West, respectively. So again, a lot of movement. We haven't seen much of this in about almost the past decade now, but it's really going to start to ramp back up. And I'm really surprised we didn't see more over the past couple of years, more rumors about it, more schools going to other leagues. And now with this, a lot of CUSA schools are going to move up into the American Athletic Conference. So it's an opportunity for those schools to build their brand even more and become more appealing to the eye for student-athletes. But again, this is a big move for Cincinnati, for UCF, Houston, and BYU as well. They have had a really good football program. You know, their basketball teams are pretty good. So I think the Big 12 is really going to benefit from this. But again, Texas and Oklahoma leaving no matter who you bring in, you can't really make up for those schools leaving, right? Texas and Oklahoma bring so much value, especially with the Red River rivalry with football. Obviously, uh, the basketball teams are pretty solid, but it's a football thing, right? It's a football move. Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC to play football. And yes, all the other sports will follow them, but football is dragging all the other programs at Texas and at Oklahoma into the SEC. Now, again, I say that, but it's going to be great for some of the other sports also, like Oklahoma softball just won the Women's College World Series. The SEC is one of the strongest conferences for softball. Texas is another team that went far in the Women's College World Series. In fact, they played Oklahoma in that championship series. So, again, while football was mainly in mind here, other programs at Texas and at Oklahoma are going to do just fine as well. But again, uh, it's really about the SEC trying to become the most powerful conference in the country. And I think for a long time, they've seen the ACC. And when the ACC added all of those schools and they started to do that again around a decade ago, the SEC added a couple of programs, A&M and Missouri, but they weren't quite Texas or Oklahoma. Brand name, high-level programs, you know, championship-caliber programs and facilities and things like that, it's just going to be a game-changer. It's going to be a game-changer for both. I think the Big 12, they get some good programs. They lose two great ones. So a lot of movement there as far as conference realignment goes and expect to see more of that coming up in the future. So that's all that's going on on that front. And now let's wrap up the show by talking about college basketball as it pertains to recruiting. And first, we're talking about 2022 four-star recruit Dior Johnson as he has announced his commitment to the Pittsburgh Panthers. He said, quote, I was looking for a coach to challenge me and hold me in high account. I still have some things to work on and another level to tap into in all phases of the game. 
Coach Jeff Capel has a great track record and was a great player himself. I honestly feel like he's going to pour into me as a person and player. Having an elite leader like himself, after us talking, I knew Pitt is where I needed to be. End quote. Johnson, the number 35 prospect in the ESPN 100, was the top available high school recruit remaining, and he picked Pitt over a group of schools that included Washington State and Mississippi State. Johnson recently decommitted from Oregon after the school signed two upperclassmen guards from the NCAA transfer portal and returned starting point guard Will Richardson, who tested the NBA draft waters. Johnson grew up in New York, rising to national prominence as a seventh grader because of his outstanding ball handling, prolific scoring prowess, and exciting style of play. He has bounced around the country since, attending powerhouse basketball programs Finley Prep, IMG, and Oak Hill Academy before spending the past several years in California at Mayfair, Centennial High School, Prolific Prep, and Southern California Academy. He committed to play at Syracuse in February of 2020, but elected to change gears after nine months and reopened his recruitment. He eventually settled on Oregon in June of 2021, and now a year later, he quickly decides to commit to Capel and the Panthers. Johnson is one of eight new players on Pitt's roster, joining transfers Nellie Cummins from Colgate, Blake Hinson from Iowa State, Greg Elliott from Marquette, and Cassius McNeely and Federico Federico from Junior College. The Panthers also reeled in international twin big men Jorge and Guillermo Diaz from IMG Academy. The team retained its two leading scorers from last season in all ACC big men John Hugley and Jamarius Burton, as well as guard Nike Sabande, who was returning for his sixth year of college basketball after missing all of last season with an injury. Again, the roller coaster keeps going faster and faster with Dior Johnson. And for the listeners out there that may not be familiar with who he is and what he's done on the basketball court and just the whirlwind that his high school career and his recruitment has been, let me fill you in a little bit. So as far as players that I've scouted go, one of the hardest to get a gauge on is Dior Johnson. Always has been recognized as one of the best players in the class of 2022. In fact, early on in the 2022 rankings, he was as high as like in the top five. Everyone felt that good about him. Now, according to ESPN, he's only ranked number 35 right now. So his stock has fallen for sure. And I think a part of that is because he keeps bouncing around, committing to one school and then decommitting, then going to another. I think that's something to be wary of when you're recruiting a guy who is here in Pitt's case trying to get a guy who was committed to Syracuse and to Oregon, committed to two programs before settling there. I do feel like that could be a little bit of an issue, but if he knows Pitt is where he wants to be and he's going to be happy there, then Coach Jeff Capel is going to be getting a really good player because when he's locked in and when he's invested, he is, I think, a top 10, top 15 caliber player in America. And this week, I just got finished watching some film of him. And whether it's at high school, whether it's at the AAU level, you see the same things pop out. The first thing to me is that he's very confident as a pull-up shooter. He believes in his ability to shoot the basketball not only from the mid-range, but from the three-point line as well. Now, something else you notice is he gets into this iso ball kind of mode a lot. And I'm not saying he can't distribute to his teammates and provide for them, but he's almost like James Harden at times in that 
he gets into these ISO situations and really loves the one-on-one matchup. Okay, so understand that about Dior. He loves ISO ball. He could use the screens and the pick and roll a little bit more, and I think that's, again, taking advantage of his teammates, taking advantage of what they can bring. Because sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it looks like one-on-five. He can distribute, and that's something that he's talked about, getting others involved and providing for them. But sometimes, when he starts to play iso ball, it starts to become like a one-on-five game. But he is an active defender, he's shifty, and he's really quick. So I do think he has a complete package, but I think the biggest adjustment for him will be not scoring as much, but distributing to his teammates, finding more of that balance. Because he really is like a two-guard playing the point guard position. And yes, I think he could be somewhat successful playing the two, but he's best with the ball in his hand. I mean, some could see him as a combo guard, but I see him as a pure point guard. But again, he plays a lot of iso ball, so keep that in mind when you're watching him play. And again, Jeff Capel is a guy that was under Mike Krzyzewski for many years at Duke, played for the Blue Devils, recruited tons of elite players there. And at Pitt, it's been a little rocky because, again, you know, the brand name isn't there. You don't have Duke on your chest anymore. You have to build something from the ground up. And I think that's what he's trying to do. I think they have some good things going, but they haven't been one of the best teams in the ACC yet. But now with this addition, along with the fact that they're bringing back Burton and Hugley and all the other transfers, I think they're going to be a pretty good team this year. So great addition there. D. Or Johnson coming on board, one of the best players there in the class of 2022. Now let's go over and talk about the Duke Blue Devils. Again, just talked about them with Jeff Capel. John Shire who was on those staffs with Jeff Capel, with Mike Krzyzewski, has now taken over as the Blue Devils head coach. So again, Coach K is retired. This past season, again, not the way they wanted it to end losing to North Carolina, but a historic career for Coach K. We talked all about that a while back. So now since then, John Shire has taken over. And even last summer, when he took over the program, essentially from a recruiting standpoint, he started bringing guys in. He started recruiting because Coach K knew he wouldn't have a hand in coaching these guys. There's no reason for him to go out and recruit them. So John Shire, again, last summer, started to bring these guys in. So a while back, they reeled in Tyrese Proctor, five-star guard from the class of 2023. But now it's been announced that he will reclassify to the 2022 class. Proctor is a native of Sydney, Australia. He signed his financial aid paperwork to attend Duke and play for Coach Shire beginning with this 2022-23 season. Shire said, quote, We have had extensive talks with Tyrese and his family over the last few weeks, and we are thrilled to be welcoming him on the 2022-23 team. Tyrese has a special feel for the game with great scoring instincts who will add to the versatility, competitiveness, and high character of this team. He is such an advanced player with an international basketball resume that includes his NBA Global Academy experience, who is more than ready to take on this opportunity right now, end quote. Proctor becomes the newest member of a Duke freshman class that is already ranked number one nationally by ESPN, Rivals, and 247 Sports. He comes to Durham from the NBA Global Academy branch in Cabrera, Australia, and Proctor originally committed to Duke on April 7th, 2022. Proctor said, quote, The moment I stepped foot inside Cameron, I knew it was where I belonged. I'm ready to step up and face a new challenge where I maximize my development as a player and continue to grow on and off the court. Waiting a year to put on that Duke jersey was too long. 
After weighing my options with my family and coaches, I'm excited to announce I will be reclassifying up to the class of 2022. It will be an honor to join Coach Shire's first team and represent one of the best universities in the world on the basketball court. I can't wait to get to work at Duke. The 6'5", 178-pound combo guard has impressed at multiple tournaments over the past two years, including the 2021 Australian Under-20 Championships, where he averaged 13.8 points and 4.4 assists while competing as one of the youngest players at the event. He also helped lead the New South Wales Metro Under-18 team to a fourth-place finish at the 2018 U18 Championships, averaging 18.6 points and 3.1 assists. Proctor also took part in the 2022 Nike Hoop Summit this past April as a member of the world team, playing against fellow Duke signees Kyle Filipowski, Derek Lively II, and Derek Whitehead. Now with Proctor on board, Shire's first signing class as head coach of the Blue Devils also includes Filipowski, Lively, Whitehead, Mark Mitchell, Jaden Shutt, and Christian Reeves. Now, in addition to this, the team has added Jacob Grandison and Max Johns, who will join the Blue Devils as graduate transfers for the 2022-23 season. Grandison spent the past two seasons at Illinois, helping the Fighting Illini earn a pair of NCAA tournament berths and a Big Ten tournament title in 2021. In 30 games with 16 starts as a senior, he averaged 9.6 points on 52% shooting from the field and 41% shooting from three-point range. He knocked down three plus three-pointers on seven occasions this past season and is 1.83s per game ranked 15th in the Big Ten. Johns comes to Duke as a graduate transfer after four years at Princeton. A native of High Point, North Carolina, who prepped at Woodbury Forest School in Virginia, Johns played 72 career games for the Tigers and averaged 2.4 points and 1.2 rebounds. Other Duke transfers include Kale Catchings from Harvard and Ryan Young from Northwestern. And again, all of that with Duke's roster, I think equates to certainly top five team in the country entering the season. Top 10 team, no lower than that. I think, yes, while this team is young, these guys are really seasoned coming in. I think this recruiting class is one of the more ready to come into Duke and try to deliver a championship right away. So first, looking at Tyrese Proctor and what he brings to the table, I see him push the ball constantly on film. He pushes the ball in transition. He's an excellent passer with great court vision. He's a versatile scorer. He's also very patient. So when he plays that point guard spot, he lets things develop on the offensive end. He doesn't rush it. He plays like a seasoned veteran. He works well with the bigs coming off the screens. He works well with the bigs throwing it to them at the rim. And this is kind of the opposite of what we talked about with Dior Johnson. So Dior Johnson plays a lot of iso ball. We talked about that already. Tyrese Proctor is a little bit different. He's not really an ISO guy. He can get into some of that with his pull-up jumper and stuff, but he often uses the pick-and-roll action. He uses the screen so well and utilizes his big men. So I love what he brings offensively, and I think he's going to fit really well with guys like Derek Lively on the interior, like Kyle Filipowski. I mean, those two guys, I mean, Lively is like a Tyson Chandler, like a young Tyson Chandler to me. He's like seven foot one has incredible length and intangibles. Filipowski's like 6'11". He brings that size and that versatility to the table as well. And then you have a versatile small forward like Mark Mitchell. Jaden Shutt is a guard who can shoot the basketball. And Christian Reeves is a three-star big man. He's a more developmental guy. I think Christian Reeves is that guy that's going to get better with his time at Duke, but may not get on the floor early as much. And again, it's not just the recruits, but also now four transfers. That's a huge number for Duke. 
they often do not get four transfers in one cycle. But it's 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 how it is now with John Shires. So love what Shires doing, love what he's bringing to the table, and I love the addition of Tyrese Proctor along with the experience of a guy like Jacob Grandison. John's I don't know if he'll get as much playing time just because he didn't do as much throughout his career at Princeton. I think he's going to be a depth guy, but catchings is going to be an interesting piece to watch. And I think Ryan Young's going to produce. I think he's going to be an experienced big man in there for them. So lots of stuff going on there in college basketball. And with that, we wrap up the 33rd episode of College Sports Today. Whether you have been listening to this show on WLRZ 99.3 FM, whether it be on LRN News at Spotify, on RSS.com, at TheRinian.com, wherever you have found this show, we again want to thank you for taking the time to listen to it. And as always, we want to give a special thanks to everybody at Lenoran University, the College of Fine Arts and Communications, and WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening.